Yeah, now we're rolling. Sorry, that was uh, that was our cold open. That was our intro. That was our <laughs> test. The microphone's working great. Fortunately, we caught it. Fortunately, we caught it. The uh, Cleveland Moda podcast is going to go for our uh, second launch. We did a test start, and so <laughs> which uh, actually worked out pretty well. It did work out perfectly. So now we know that everything's working. So to my left is Pete Hemsley, and to his left, Chris Smith, and to his left, Johnny Mac, and to his left, Joe Casola, and to his right. I'm Rachel. Okay. And uh, Joe's left. Your humble narrator, Phil Waters. Uh, Joe and I met years ago at a coffee shop in Cleveland. Uh, just kind of realized I was into Vespas. He's into Triumph Motorcycles. And uh, we got to talking about that. And then somehow, you were going to school at OSU? Was that Yeah, that yeah. I was going to school at OSU. And Scott Smallwood, a guy that opened that uh, started supersonic scooters down there, needed a mechanic. And Did I you meet like, him at Dick's? I met him at Dick's Den. And I was like... <laughs> He's like, I need a mechanic. And, I said, and he was bartending, he? wasn't he? He was bartending, <laughs> and, he, and he needed a mechanic to replace uh, our good friend Stu Nickel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was managing dicks? No. He was, no, he was no. not managing dicks. He was serving dicks. He was oh, serving dicks. Yeah, he was serving dicks. <laughs> and that was our rule. I was our, 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 like, the way that we worked back then is I would show up on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Because, you know, Columbus is no short hike from us. About a two-hour drive to get down there. And I would show up and work all day Tuesdays and Wednesdays to bank about 20, 20 hours of billable labor, yeah, which is what I was living on. Like, that was my pay. And I had many different odd jobs going on up here, but for 20 to 24 hours a week, I was getting paid straight money under the table. And then at 10 or 11 o'clock at night when we'd shut the shop down, after having, you know, two or three beers at the end of the shift, so to speak, Scott would disappear and go be a bartender. And then we would close the shop down and go become patrons of the bar. Yeah, at extraordinarily cut rate pricing, and we were living pretty high on the hog. I mean, nobody, nobody ate. We were eating at the Blue Dube at the Danube, <laughs> and we're eating at the Dube and drinking at Dick's, and then wake up in the mo- next morning and go get coffee and start wrenching on motorcycle, wrenching on scooters again. The shop was all scooters, and uh, right next to us we had the that was the uh, Zulu's Motorcycle Club headquarters was right next door to us. So we got to pick up some interesting side work from those guys, too. So that was a <laughs> fun experience. Uh, and that little area, Fields Avenue, is right by the Ohio Fairgrounds, and it's all industrial. So that road became our test track. Yeah. And it was not uncommon to have a 75 or 80-mile-per-hour Vespa sheeing, cutting down that road, and then these big trash trucks would pull out, and you'd lay down 30 feet of black tire stripe. And it wasn't like the road was tra- test track smooth. The road was beat to shit. But it didn't stop us. We we tuned everything on that road. That was our dyno, was that road. Like, can you get to 50 by that sign? Okay, it's running good. Uh, that was a, It was a good time for us. I think that was a good spot for all of us to kind of become mechanics. Yeah, and it was really cool because... There was just such a small pool of people that were able to work on them, mm-hmm. and all of us trying to do the same kind of thing. So we all kind of shared mechanics, and we'd all do these mechanic guest spots. Like, hey boy, you're not kidding. Me and Stuart would come up from Columbus to mm-hmm. go help you out when yep. you guys were short. When we started and just up. come in and just bust out three yeah. days of work, twelve yeah. hours a day, and just walk away yeah. to the bank. And then all the bikes got done. Yep. And you're able to go out, and then someone else would come down to your shop and do the same thing. Yeah. So it's Really cool community feel amongst it. It was. It was a strange visiting mechanic program. Yeah. And every once in a while, we'll have Paul come in from Pittsburgh. Oh, how and cool. Paul will come in and help us out when we get Lambretta. We get jammed on a Lambretta. And he'll come in and kick ass. And I know John's come 
John still comes in from time to time and rescues our ass. Uh, we have, like, the visiting men- mechanic mentality just never went away. And I think it's part of that supersonic thing. It was yeah. that, that whole idea of, like, if you're a mechanic and we know it, we're going to call you. You know, it's like one of those deals where you may get a phone call someday. The cottage industry. And it, it is. And there are, there's less and less people that have that skill set. And I think there's a, a, you know, Joe's got a background in education and my wife's a school principal. And I worked in uh, the auto shop at my middle school and at my high school for my entire time, you know, from the time I was like 12 years old on. And I worked on all the teachers' cars, and I worked on my own stuff, and we serviced all the teachers' cars. That was like a part of what we did. I was the power tech whiz kid. My mm-hmm. job was to work on all the teachers' lawnmowers, tractors, rebuild their little tractor mower. Oh, my gosh. Got the ghost. It's settling. <laughs> <laughs> You're still getting moved in. It's all Right. Fun. You could tell. It, it's, it is a funny thing. Now, when you were... Uh, you, Worked in education in Tennessee, right? Did you? Did they have a vocational ed program down there? You know, the the vocational programs down there kind of went to the same wayside that they did here, as far as all of them getting replaced by computer classes because the insurance was just so high, and people didn't really feel that uh, hands-on training and being able to do uh, trade work was really as valuable as teaching people how to work with computers and stuff. So yeah. they did it, and we really didn't have a lot of that. And uh, I would have loved to have gotten a job at a vocational school mm-hmm. while I was down there. Um, not that to say that I didn't have a good job teaching math, but, um, yeah, it's a real shame that they just didn't have that yeah. available. Yeah, know? it is. I and would have loved to have gone back to my high school and got all the the Bridgeport and all the yeah. tools and stuff that are no longer there. Like, the probably yeah. just yeah, our high school go back there fully with a fistful shop. of cash mm-hmm. and get all that tooling yeah. and stuff. I tried to call the one teacher to get the Wankel lawnmower that I rebuilt. <laughs> You know, it was a rotary lawnmower, <laughs> rotary engine lawnmower. Yeah. yeah. And I called him, and he's like, ah, oh, that stuff all went, man. And I was like, darn, I really would have liked that. And you know it went for 50 cents. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the that's just the nature of it. And I think back to my high school, our high school auto shop, we had lifts, we had everything. We had tire alignment machines. Oh. We were fully stocked. We were working on cars every day. And it's a shame that that doesn't exist anymore because it's getting to be harder and harder to get a tradesperson. Yeah. You know, if you need a if you need a furnace guy, they can demand top dollar. If you need an electrician, they can demand top dollar. Uh, Johnny Chrome, his house didn't get hit by lightning, but one of the high tension wires ran into in a storm. One of the high tension wires overhead ran into one of the low tension wires, and his house caught, you know, sixteen thousand volts or something. Yeah, he went from one ten to thirteen thousand volts, just like that. And his and your shit does not like running on thirteen thousand. He showed me pictures of his fuse box. Yeah, you know it was just smoked, like you know, like there was flames. Coming Copper out. wires that were as thick as your pinky had vaporized. Wow, the insulation. And, his whole yeah. house has to be rewired. Yeah. Couldn't... So he's in a bad position because it's you know he it's this is just weeks before Thanksgiving. His insurance company puts him up in an extended stay, which you know he's got wife and kids and everything else, and that's not luxury. I said, did it at least have a pool? No, didn't have a pool. So they went in there, and he found electricians that were able to come in, and a whole crew of guys, three or four guys, came in, and they managed to get him back in his house pretty fucking quickly. But he had to call several electricians that looked at the job and just went, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be weeks and weeks and weeks. And so there's an absolute shortage of that skilled labor 
in our country right That's now. a unique job, too, though. You know, like, there's new installation, which yeah. there's guys who do that. And it's easy and to make money. then there's uh, the fix-it guy, the fix-it level guy. Who, yeah, I can rewire, a, you know, your fuse box. I can put a new breaker box in or whatever. Sure. But that type of job is, like, rewiring a house that already exists. Right. Mean, that's... And how much really got wiped out when that happened? Because I know his refrigerator blew up, his oven blew up, his microwave blew up. You have to assume up. that everything needs rewired right. because there could be a piece of wire back behind the wall that, yeah. you know, he was talking he was going to have to run all new wiring, you know, maybe leave the old stuff there, but run new new everything. One of the cool tools that he talked about that the guys brought out because there's this question mark about how much of the wire actually needs to be replaced. So they brought a FLIR, a forward-looking infrared gun, and they were able to diagnose hot spots in his wiring in the house literally inside of walls so really? and yeah right and, through the particle and that's the thing that i'm gonna buy because one because i just nerd out on tools anyway but for working on motorcycles your problem is always heat yeah. i mean no matter what you've done in your electrical system the part that isn't working right is creating heat and if you're one of the tools i use when i'm doing electrical work on a motorcycle is i'll take the fuse out and I'll put a 15-amp breaker where that fuse used to be. And then this way I can do my electrical troubleshooting, and if I find the problem, it'll just pop the breaker. Instead of blowing the fuse. And I'm not blowing fuses and constantly going back and replacing fuses all the time. And then once I diagnose my problem and the breaker's not blowing anymore, then I can put the fuse in and know that I've repaired it correctly. But with a little forward-looking infrared tool, I can just shoot my wiring harness and look for the heat. Right now I'm using a Harbor Freight infrared little heat detector gun. And it does okay, but it doesn't scream at you. And that thing is like, you point it at your hand and you're like 68 degrees. But, you know, you aim at six inches away from your hand and now, oh, now it's 98 degrees. So those things are clearly the highest quality Chinese calibration. <laughs> yeah. They've got a laser finder on there too, which is great for playing with the cats. They like that because the cats really dig that the infrared heat gun. Yeah, it's cool. So are you doing any work on bikes while you're up here? Uh, just my dad's. Yeah. Just getting some body time with my dad working on some Yamaha. Are you working on all dirt bikes, huh? Well, he's got a new Triumph, too. He's got a, an early 2000s, which for him is That's a new, new bike. It doesn't yeah. have a Kickstarter. Right. And it has the fake carburetors on it, or the fake, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. actually are, yeah. And uh, he's never had a Triumph. Like, he's never worked on something that would, didn't have a primary chain around the clutch basket. So wow! Just setting up that. Whole That's thing. Japanese motorcycle yeah, technology Japanese for him. Motorcycle technology. For oh, him, so. and it's all metric. Yeah, metric stuff. And this, <laughs> what's this JIS screw stuff? So, <laughs> you know, it's one of our favorite things at the shop. We love the JIS, like the vessels, man. Yeah, That's your right. We're, you're, we're we're we could all be the the vessel tool spokespeople around here. That is that that saved me hundreds of hours since I switched my screwdrivers over. The uh, the. Are you building motors down in Tennessee? I am. I'm uh, doing a lot of motor restoration and stuff, um, mm -hmm. building just a lot of vintage and antique uh, motors, and pretty much still doing a lot of Vespa and Lombretta stuff, but mm -hmm. moving a lot more into antique. Now, you did that greatest race, right? The, uh, we did the Cannonball it? Run. Yeah, yeah, I was crew chief for a 1913 Douglas for Steve Alexander. Damn. <laughs> it was unbelievable. We got the bike basically oh. from coast to coast in, in 16 days. So yeah, you're you're becoming a specialist at non-homogeneous metals, and it was it was just uh, exercise in in uh, in just trying to stay awake and just rebuilding on the fly. I mean, you know, you're handing an engine that's a hundred years old, yeah, 
and you're like, wow, there isn't like five of these here in the States, and it's five o'clock in the morning, and this engine needs to get together by 7.30. Oh, God. And you've got Carrillo rods in it. You've got $800 rods, and you've got Arius high silicon pistons in it. Holy shit. And you've got an hour and a half. So, I mean, I... I haven't like rebuilt weed whacker motors that shit. Like, <laughs> like I took this engine apart with my Milwaukee Impact and put it together with my Milwaukee Impact. Everything's PFT. Yeah, Just, PFT. Torque yeah, by ear. Yeah, throw <laughs> that shit together and get it on the road. And I mean, we rebuilt the engine for first four days in a row. And did you have a, a backup engine, or did you all did you run the whole race on one motor? We had two sets of cases, four sets of rock. Four rods, two sets of pistons. We mm-hmm. had a ton of spares, but I mean, and by the end of the time, we just went through it. I mean, those engines have no oiling system whatsoever. No. It's a slinger. Yeah. Um, everything was hand fitted by, I mean, an amazing engine builder, Roy Chapman. Um, he built this just amazing motor, but you never get to put it through that kind of stress and strain. How do you even break it in? You can never really break it in properly because you just never are putting it through that. And then you're hitting the desert at 115 degrees, and you're just constantly trying to, like, just get it back on the road and get your miles in. How many cc's is that motor? It was 350 cc. And it's the very first opposing twin engine ever made, just like a BMW. Right. Except it was front and back cylinder. It was 350 cc's, uh, made three and a half horsepower. Holy shit. Um, we probably might have been squeezing like six with the right. Aries pistons and Krilla rods. Yeah. You know, top speed, 45 miles an hour. And how many hours on end is this machine doing 45 miles oh, an hour? Oh, Steve must have been, he was riding, I mean, he was riding all day. It was an eight, eight, ten hour day. I mean, some days were shorter if we had problems and you had to get on the trailer, but... You know, one of the biggest problems we had was this tire blows. The wheels are so tiny. Oh, to put really? Those kind of heat through them. They're, yeah. they're Schwinn bicycle tires and tubes. Oh hmm. man, going forty-five miles an hour down the road. And yeah, and so that's just that's just literally melting the tubes. It was melting the tubes and tires right out of the thing, and mm-hmm. and it was definitely the smallest bike of the fleet, other than some really really small bikes. But um, it was the smallest bike in class two, which meant that it was. Um, more than one cylinder had multiple, had two-speed gearbox. In right. It. Um, and what's the newest bike that's allowed to be in that race? Well, that had a max. That year was a 100-year race, so nothing okay. could be more than, than a right. 16. Right. Um, so every bike on this, how many bikes were in the field? I think there was 85 or 90. So wow. get, that is unbelievable. That alone is amazing. 90 hundred-year-old motorcycles wow. that nobody ever even takes out of the museums. Right. And I'll tell you what, you learned that a bike in the museum, you couldn't make it 50 miles down the road. No way. To take a museum yeah. bike that you've already paid $85,000 for sometimes and make it worthy to be able to go across country in 16 days, yeah. you know, it's unbelievable to be able to do. So. Yeah, and it so it's 16 days, that's 16 days from the event start until the terminus, right? And did you guys go east to west or west to east? We started in Atlantic City, and we ended okay. in um, Carlsbad. And so you stayed south, so you avoided the mountains. No, we went straight through Colorado. You did? We went straight through Colorado. Oh, oh, oh. We didn't go over the gap. Shit. We went through... Oh, man, it's so hard to think about it. But, yeah, I mean, there was some, uh, just some get, insane you gaps You get elevation. Some of these bikes are single piston with no clutch, no gearbox. Right. And you're getting They're air pushing that's them up nothing and walking them up the hills. I mean, oh my 
It was brutal. Like the leather link belt drive and stuff? Belt drives. Ours was, uh, we used one of those um, layered belts that were like riveted together. Yeah, Yeah. like links of leather. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But a lot of it, yeah, was belt slippage. I mean, the rear hub I had to make from scratch. I took, uh, it was like seven pieces of of sheet that I welded together and made his whole drive for it, you know, because there was no drives available for the thing. We had to make the whole front end for it, like... Yeah, That's re-engineering bonkers. everything. The fact that it only took 16 days is blowing my brain up. To think that there were guys, a large percentage of the guys mm-hmm. that got perfect scores. That means they got all their miles. Right. They made it in on time with no deductions. Hmm. Like, it's That's, just mind-blowing. It, it's, it's almost impossible. And then to think that you're taking care of these repairs on the road that are crank level. Yeah, we can't, we can't even touch the bike until it gets back in. So we can't right. help them. Steve was responsible for taking care of all his own maintenance while he's in the field. Bikes oh, so in. get out of here. We don't even, Holy I don't even see shit. that bike until 7.30 at night. At the we, next checkpoint. Yeah, at the next checkpoint. Like me, Wes Conley, and Steve. Steve's been riding all day, and then he's bringing in a bike and helping us work on it. Yeah. And we're around the clock a lot of times. So when he, he has a failure, when he has a failure 50 miles away from the checkpoint. If he can't get it on, it's got to get on the trailer. It's got to get on the trailer and then come in. And then he loses points. He loses points. Because he didn't get his miles. Yep. Wow. That's insane. Yeah, and we went through all the parts, man. I mean, it was brutal. We went went through all the parts. All the parts. Wow. And, I mean, it got to the point where I learned, I didn't even, like, I'm dealing with the most talented motorcycle mechanics Mm -hmm. and engineers I mean, these guys have been doing it their whole life. Some of them are on NASCAR and Indy race teams. These are, like, extremely proficient engine builders. There's people there that were casting their own engine blocks, like making their own patterns and then pouring their own castings, making their own cast iron. Because none of this stuff exists. Yeah, they're just making it. And I'm just like... In the field? No, no, no. We had a full machine shop on the field, though. I had a lathe. Oh, you did? Yeah. Nice. I was able to do buttons on people. They don't use us. A lot of them don't have... Sir clips for the pistons. They right. buttons. We're making buttons on the fly. Holy shit! We had full machine shop, TIG welding. You're doing everything right in the field. It's wild. That is insane. That is the weirdest be road amongst show. these guys that are just. Would it have been talented. cheating to like take a Honda crank and <laughs> and build the cases <laughs> and like, just, put, like <laughs> just so you could have some modern metal? Everything on the outside looks like a, a Douglas. Well, by using we had areas pistons and Krillo rods, rods. And it doesn't help you. But man. you don't have an oil circuit, yeah, a recirculating oil right. system. Right, and like that's what kills me about it is the elements of that motor are over 100 years old. And they were probably and then other elements are literally cutting-edge yeah. race technology. Yeah. Did you guys document it, video it? Oh, yeah. yeah. We got video. We've got photos. we got everything. They're Scraping bearings. I mean, like, I didn't even know what that meant, to, be a, to scrape a bearing. Like, you literally take a three-sided file that's sharpened on concave, and, and you're literally just whittling it out, like sitting on really? the porch, whittling out the bearing and trying to get your clearance, throw it back together, hit the road. Because um, you're transferring metal from... It's smearing all over smearing, the place, right, man. Because you get all that heat. And that's all you got left. We got, this is there's funny a, that this I'm showed sure up today. There's only so much you're allowed to do to modify the bikes. You've got to have your cases. All right. You've got to start with the cases and frame It's It just seems crazy. So this thing shows up today, and whether or not this organization is worth a poo or anything we don't we don't care it's just it's a novelty thing because you're here and we're talking about the cannonball <laughs> and so this is the first across america by motorcycle oh, yeah from uh dateline july 6th of 1903 and uh george adams wyman 
was the first person to complete a transcontinental trip across America by means of a motorized vehicle. Now, that's not by means of a motorcycle. This guy did it before anybody did it in a car. <laughs> okay? This is the first person to literally cross America in a motorized vehicle. He rode a 200cc, 1.25 horsepower California motorcycle designed by Roy C. Marks, the California Motorcycle Company, in San Francisco. And what they've done is they, he documented his entire trip. And as you can see, this is the start point, and then it has the end point. So, you know, his start point was May 16th. What city? Um, San Francisco. Okay. Okay, Vallejo Ferry. West to east. And then he ran all the way till July 6th. So he ran two months to make this trip across America. There was no highway system. No. In 1903. He's on logging roads. He's on whatever. He's on trails. He's on cart paths. Basically the Pan American Trail. Yeah. The first In 1903. Yeah. So, you know, he's, you know, helping wagons get pushed out of ditches, I guess. Um, he may be assaulted by the rogue Native American, or what? I don't know. Uh, right, the holdouts. Yeah, but you think 1903? No rogue Native American. Oh, I think. Talk to my cousins. There's still a couple of them hiding in Painesville, Ohio. They're still they're looking. I can tell you, they're looking. There are still Japanese soldiers on islands uh, still fighting World War II. Until <laughs> 1903? Yeah. There's this, I love how there's these points where they're talking about, like, you know, there's a point at San Francisco, there's a point in Reno, there's a point in Ogden, and there is literally then the but two nothing. biggest fucking states yeah, in the world of nothing until you get to Omaha, Nebraska. Oh I noticed he skipped all of Pennsylvania. Um, he just right he went right up into New York, he's and that's smart mountains. because probably in 1903 the tolls were probably still too expensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that route that he took in 1903, he went right down Lorraine Road. He did actually. <laughs> right well, he did. And it's, and it, if it looks in here and it tells you, uh, it tells you when he was in Cleveland, and uh, you can tell that like in you he know here he was Smedley's on June on June 26th. So June 26th, stormy. That was it. Yeah. Night. Yeah, so June 26th, he stayed in Cleveland, Ohio, June, June 26th of 1903. Yeah. And it's pretty interesting. I, I don't know if somebody, Chris can, or John, can you take a look at our uh, uh, Death is My Co-Pilot shirt hanging up on the wall there? That's from the Cleveland Press. What's the date on that? The date, date of the... This is May 29th, 1913. 1913. So 10 years before that guy was a world-famous board tracker putting... Ass on wood, getting splinters that you die from, crashing motorcycles in Cleveland, Ohio. Ten years before that, this guy literally went across America on a motorcycle, and uh, and it is the motorcycle that we're talking about. You know, it's one of these vintage, you know, bikes that you become very familiar with. I'm Motorized sure you became infinitely, infinitely familiar with. <laughs> It'd be a moped except it doesn't have pedals. It would be a moped except for the fact that mopeds probably have more power and higher top speed. Uh, then sure, what there's he's a got lot done. of factory chain service technicians along the way to be able to help him out and dealer. He's running into people <laughs> that have never heard a piston pop. Like 1903. Yeah, you know, damn, track that back. How many Model Ts were on the road? None. And there's no way you can carry another two extra bikes with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> Guy did a cross-country run in 1903. That's insane. Um, I can only imagine what he went through. It's it's bizarre. I need a part. Okay, write a letter to somebody back yeah. east. <laughs> well, that's what Wait I was Wait for the amazed. letter to get there. Tell them to put it on a train. Right. 
that eventually you will meet them in so many weeks. It took him two months. <laughs> right. Like You know, this this place is a geographic just anomaly. To get a it's tire, two weeks from anywhere. Tube. Yeah. Who knows yeah. what that would even be. <laughs> That's it. The, uh, yeah, I don't, I can't even imagine the fact that you guys did it in 2016, 2017 with modern everything, and it's still an arduous, amazing, incredible thing. Yeah, yeah. what took so long? I mean, this guy only <laughs> took, took so long. long. <laughs> I mean, 16 days, well, shit, you got 100 years ahead of It took James. 16 days? It you took, could all take Yeah, it took, well, with Scooter Cannonball, like James and I did a cross country on a 125. I could have walked But it was a fast. modern 125. Yeah. And we did it in about seven days, and then we took a couple of days off when we got back you did here. It in seven days? Well, we started in San Diego, and we did go through Denver. So we did go over. So yeah. we went through Vail. We went through Breckenridge. Um, we had a bike that started with a 82 main jet, and when we got to Breckenridge and Vail, we were on a 50 main jet because... We had taken all the air filtration devices off the bike and gotten the jetting so small, and we could hold about 35 miles an hour on a bike that we were holding 65 miles an hour on the flat on a 125cc. And that's how bad elevation fucks you up, like fucks the bike up, not to mention us personally. But, the, uh, but yeah, we did. it took us seven or eight days to get back to Cleveland, and then there was a Gettysburg scooter rally happening, Three days later, we got involved in some insane weather between Cleveland, Chicago and Cleveland, and we were just, we didn't want to be alive anymore. So we pulled into Cleveland, took two days off, and then we got on the bike and rode to the Gettysburg Rally. So we finished the rally up, we went to the Gettysburg Rally, as you do, had three days of drink and drunken debauchery at the Gettysburg Rally, and then Sunday... Just to relax a little. Right. And Sunday, we rode from Gettysburg to Annapolis so we could officially finish the tour and arrive on... You know, so we dipped our toe in the Pacific and we dipped our toe in the Atlantic on a 125cc bike. And, like I said, at points we were doing 65, You guys ride two up? Of course. <laughs> Cupcake. James, come on. Look at him. You don't want to ride. you got to ride two up with that. And, you know, by the time we got to the end... Hell, by the time we got to Cleveland, I had tripled the amount of riding gear that we had. So we had purchased gear because we were going to go south across Texas because it's flat. I remember something about that. Like It was like, oh, it's going to start snowing soon or something. Like well, that. that was our problem is we did the trip in late September, early October. And we had originally planned for the trip to go across 40. And we figured that'd be great. The problem was on our way out, we reconned the trip backwards when we went to San Diego and so we were in the van with the bike in the back, and we realized that everybody on I-40 through Texas is going a minimum of 80 miles an hour. Okay. <laughs> the 18-wheelers are going 80 miles an hour, and they come up on you like that. So we slowed the van down at like 11 o'clock at night on a Tuesday. We slowed the van down to 60, which was our safe travel speed for the bike, just to simulate what would be happening to us on the bike at 60 miles an hour on this road. And the difference in speed between 80-mile-an-hour 18-wheeler and a 60-mile-an-hour us was like you couldn't even see them in your mirror and they were on you. And the 20-mile-an-hour speed difference, when you're on a bike that is 125cc, pushes you into the berm. Oh, yeah. So we realized it was horribly unsafe to try and do that. So instead, we decided we would go, this is 
this is, by the way, the ramblings of a fucking idiot. Because we were like, well, we're going to go to San, we're going to start from San Diego. We're going to go to Vegas. Our first stop will be in Vegas, because why not? Tiki drinks. So far, so good. So far, so good. (laughs) We spent a night in Vegas, and then we decided to go up through Grand Junction. That was the first time we ran into snow. Yeah, I remember you hit saying something about hitting snow. We're in Grand Junction, and James is sick as a dog. That's high desert, man. And we're in high desert. We stayed in a hotel. We we went for the only strip club in Grand Junction, and it turns out some asshole with Google Maps had identified the local prison as a strip club. So James and I were looking for entertainment at 11 o'clock at night. We're like, oh, a strip club. And you found it. And we found it. And we're like, according to GPS. It was a featured dancer. Yeah. <laughs> according to GPS, we're at the strip club. And we're literally in front of a prison. We're like, well, this isn't going to work. And we went, we stayed at a hotel. And in the morning, James was miserable. I mean, he was sick as a hell. And I looked out at the bike. I looked out at the van and the bike. And there's six inches of snow on the van. And it's like 22 degrees. And James is like, we got to go. You know, it's 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning, we got to go. And I'm like, no, you get to sleep another three hours. Why? Look out the window. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm like, yeah, we can't go until the roads are clear, you know. And while he was sleeping, I was at Walmart buying gear. thermal gear. <laughs> and then we would take the gear and put the gear down in the floorboard area where the passenger's feet would be in the truck and have the heat maxed. To warm and, it up? Yes, <laughs> because we could go 100 miles, and then we would change. The bike yeah. would be out of gas. Yeah. We would get the gas can, and we'd, the, the warm guy would be putting on the riding gear that was now in the foot warming area. The hot gear. The hot gear. Yeah. And he'd be putting that on, and then the cold guy would be stripping off his frozen gear and getting in that car and putting his hands on the vents trying to warm up, and then we'd go. And this way we could make you know 300 miles a day. Our original plan was that we were going to do 450 miles a day. That plan went out the window real yeah, fucking so, quick. So what was, the speed of the, bike, what was the speed of the roads then that you came up the other way, not 40? Well, we Did were doing great. The same? We could maintain 65 miles an hour yeah. pretty much. we would the, the van would be behind us with the yellow light on top okay. for safety. The van would okay, protect yeah, us yeah. from getting run over. And then when we got to the point where we were getting elevation, we had to start drafting behind the van. So we had to draft behind the van so we could keep 40, 45 miles per hour. That's how, that's how the elevation fucked with us. And we just kept jetty? changing jets, yeah. We just kept getting smaller and smaller jets. And we'd stop and change jets. We got to Denver, and I hit up every moped shop I could find for little jets. What, uh, what did you do Lake Erie Loop on? Yeah. Because, I mean, that's, like, still. Like, uh, when, every, when anyone ever is, like... What do you think of the buddy? I'm like, I don't know. I, I did the buddy one, on a... But I know this guy <laughs> that took one right out of a crate. Right out of the crate. A pink one, I yeah, believe. It was. Yeah, it was a pink one. And ran around the entire freaking lake Only area. one person beat me, and he's sitting right there. <laughs> yeah, the only person that year that I beat me. I just uncrated it and was just like, turned the throttle until it maxed out. I came in, yeah, I came in second place thing. overall and first place in my class. Was that, the, was that a 125? 125 buddy. God. My 125 God. buddy. John, what did you beat him on? CB 160? CB, uh, <laughs> no, CB 200. CB 200. Oh, Lordy mercy. Yeah. Oh, he had power like mad compared to what I had. Philip Greer, the CB 200. It can do it. I promise you. <laughs> oh, I'd ride that bike coast to coast, no problem. Yeah. Oh, man. My buddy's yeah. doing a CB 200 now. He's been fighting it for years. Really? Man. It's like an exercise in tenacity trying to get this thing going. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. We've been through a bunch of I've them. I've had four yeah. or five of them. Yeah. 
I've set a few of them up for customers. They're actually a pretty good bike. Yeah, they, yeah. they look great. I don't know what the hell's. I don't know why he's having one. problems, oh, but yeah, the John. That's amazing. I would have kept it. The problem is, we John and I were equally handicapped. Everyone else went to sleep. We stayed up and drank. <laughs> Till five, Til five in the morning. And it was like, no Oof. use going to sleep now. Right. Why did we go to sleep? And so, like, we were up drinking all night long. And everybody else was taking it seriously. And John and I were just like, whatever. <laughs> and I had no intentions of competing on a competition level. I had, it was early June, but it was cold as fuck. And I had a pair of BDUs over another pair of BDUs. Like, that was my, you know, that was my thermal layer. And I was late for the start. So they launched classes, 50cc class, 125, 200 class. I got, you know, they're trying to wake people. We're trying to wake people up. Well, they were trying to wake me up. And I got out and threw my shit on Ricky Tick and ran the buddy over. And I'm getting teased constantly because it's a pink buddy, obviously. My only extended fuel, like my trick, my big secret weapon, was I had a one-gallon gas tank, one-gallon lawnmower can under the seat. That's my secret weapon. In the place where you're not supposed to keep cats of and course. dogs. No cats, no dogs, oh, no that's pets. cheating. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Tell me all about it, John. Oh, what was your support situation like? My two older brothers and 50 ga- 15 gallons of race gas yeah. in the back of a pickup <laughs> yeah. truck. He's drafting behind a pickup truck. There's one guy with like, like... God, I like aircraft nozzle going Yes, exactly. <laughs> there are dudes in cheating. refueling. Yeah. Yeah. There are dudes in cheating flight. so hard. They're, like, they're driving Chevy Astro vans with the tailgate open. So the the bike is basically being sucked along. Yeah, it's like right? a big dick bike wasn't even running at stake. <laughs> right, <laughs> and meanwhile I'm riding a pink buddy with no support whatsoever, yeah. just like a bike that has 93 miles on it. And you just got the dealership. I mean, the buddies were really new at it was that brand point, new. right? It was yeah, brand new. Like, that was the was test for the bike. Brand new. Took it out of the crate. I told everybody I was going to do it, and everybody's like, "You are an idiot, <laughs> and you're going to get hurt and embarrassed." I was like, "Then I'll use a pink one." And I took the pink one out. <laughs> And did the run, and they had a film crew, and right off the tip, so friends of mine were going to do a documentary, yeah, to help promote the Lake Erie Loop. Plus, they wanted to enter it in this little film festival, thing. right? Cycle film festival, yeah, yeah, exactly. And right off the tick, I said, "This race is going to be won in the first forty-five minutes. Whoever can get the fuck out of town because it's Welland, you know, it's the middle of nowhere, Wellington, yeah. Wellington, oh, Ohio, Wellington, Wellington, yeah. Ohio." That's our start point. Whoever can get to the turnpike first, through all this horse shit construction and, and red lights and green lights. And, and we left at, what, 7 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning? Uh, 6 o'clock start. 6 o'clock start, wow. which is why anybody who knows me knows that that is not even an option. No bueno. And so I basically wasn't awake until I got my second turn. And I had my little GPS, my Garmin, like not even a good Garmin there. And I just figured I'm going to get to the lake. And I'll just continue to go right. So the lake will stay on my right-hand shoulder. Because it's the lake. It's because it's the lake. I'll just make a, a constant right-hand turn around the lake, and that's it. And I'll be done. The lake on you? Yeah. I don't even use directions. I mean, the last times I've done it, I've never even no, used you don't need any that. directions or anything. No, you don't need anything. And what the trick was, I kept running into these, like, there were, like, more closed roads than Wellington even has. And Milan was closed. Like, all the major routes through Milan were closed. I took the route that everybody said you're not supposed to take, that that's all closed. Right. I passed Bill Muir. Yeah. Taking the route that he told everybody not to not take. Not to take, because he was cheating. Yeah. I whizzed by him and got right on 9. 
like, and what I did was I Baumhart Road is supposed to have all this construction right, and, be and it closed. was clear. I got through, and it's all construction. I was like, it's six o'clock in the goddamn morning yeah. on like a Saturday morning or Sunday morning. Fuck this! I'm on the sidewalks, so I jumped on the sidewalks on and the just bike. ran the sidewalks the whole way. And I saw a cop that was sitting there, and I'm doing 35 miles an hour on the sidewalk, <laughs> and the roads all torn up next to me. So I pretended to throw newspapers <laughs> until I got past the cop. And then I got past the cop. I just fucking went for it. And then I got then I realized I couldn't go as fast as the trucks could go. Throw but, newspapers. Well, no, once I got on the main once I got on the turnpike. Once I got on the turnpike, once I got on the main road, I realized I couldn't go as fast as the trucks could go, but the UPS trucks are speed regulated. So what I did was I got in behind UPS trucks, like the 18-wheelers. The tandems. The tandems. And I would just suck in behind the UPS truck and stay like seven feet off the back bumper of the UPS truck. And then just, and then it was awesome. My range went up and my speed went up because I was behind a UPS tandem. You were getting beat up? No, it was cool. It was just like. So you really, you could chill back, Oh, it's chill. I could sit up and everything. Yeah, I made time. I made awesome time. (laughs) You are just kind of getting bounced around a little bit. Until I got to Toledo and had to turn right. Fuckers. The, uh, but it was fun, and I only had to use my gas can when I was over on the Canadian side and had to go through St. Catharines and had to go up that big hill oh, over the yeah. bridge, and I got this big hill going up St. Catharines, and my, I just ran out of gas. So then I used my gallon of gas, and then when I got to the Fort Erie Customs, that was when I realized, okay, there was hundreds and hundreds of cars lined up. Hundreds. And I was like, well, this is going to kill my time. I'm dead. So I said, fuck it. Why am I going to wait in line? So I just got off the bike and pushed the bike, running, past all the cars. Into the duty-free. Well, <laughs> yeah. Ran through the customs thing, and the, I pushed the bike in front of 700 cars and just got in. And the guy's like, what are you doing? I'm like, the fucking line's so long I ran out of gas. And the guy's like, okay, come up here. I showed him my passport, showed him my driver's license. He's like, go, get out of here. I, I pushed the bike another seven feet, jumped on, hit the start button, and hauled ass into the gas station. <laughs> and I ran into Deb and all those guys from the Buffalo Scooter Club <coughs> who were, like, there randomly. They were, like, on a ride. And I ran to them. I was like, where's the fucking nearest gas station? And they pointed it out, hopped in the gas station, grabbed some gas. And the next time I saw anybody, because everyone else was behind me, was I had to take a shit. Oops. And when I had to take a shit... I'm in the bathroom, I just got gas, I filled up my reserve tank, and I'm pooping, and I hear it coming down the road, and I'm like, oh, that's got to be one of our guys. I pulled my pants up, ran out, and I see him going by, because his exhaust had fallen off. <laughs> Both of his mufflers had fallen off. That took some time, that slowed yeah. me down a little bit. Yeah, so, but when he went past me at Angola in New York... I couldn't catch 10, him again. 10,000 RPM. With 10, with no RPM. <laughs> I couldn't catch him. And I mean, I tried. I did everything I could to catch you. You don't think I gave you any? I was like, eh. <laughs> Well, because you hadn't seen anybody else either. I had to keep telling myself, relax, you're going to break the throttle cables. Relax. Did you see my bike in the gas stop? I saw you when I went by you. Oh, you did see it there. Oh, yeah. I oh, saw. so you knew I, I was there. I, I saw you. I'm like, that's Phil. Because we, we were we were running the whole day. How many long. pink Vespas did you see that day? We had yeah. seen everybody else. So that's like with this race, you're so spread out. There's so few people. You're I didn't see anybody. It's a 650 mile course. Right. You you see people, and right. you kind of get a feel for who you've seen. 
But the one person we had never seen yeah. was you. Okay. And then when we saw you, we're like, he's probably out in front. He's got to be the last. He's the last person that I've seen. Yeah. There's probably nobody in front of him. Because I didn't see the film crew again. The film crew pulled right alongside of me before Toledo. And then I was like, oh, Joe, can you grab me one? Yeah, what do you got? Thank you. Uh, Christmas sale, please. Great Lakes Brewing Company Christmas sale. There's a bottle opener on the uh, fridge magnet. On the door. On the door. The, uh, but yeah, that was a fun. That was a fun thing, and yeah, and that was like when you went by. As soon as you went by, I saw the bike. I was like, God damn it, Mecklefresh! And I did everything I could do. I mean, I cheated as hard as I could cheat. No, you couldn't because I couldn't out cheat you. You were probably doing everything. Out. Everything. Everything. Yeah, you're doing everything. You yeah, at that point, I wasn't. I. I was not letting off the throttle for anything. And we were four hours away from our destination. Because I, that bike was faster than yours. But oh, I, by a lot. But, yeah. And that's the only way I could lose is if I let off the throttle. Right. If I let off the throttle, I knew you'd be back there pinned. Any yeah. little slack I gave, oh, you would God. take yeah. it up. Yeah. So. yeah, I was pinned in a fetal position. Uh, whatever. But yeah, I did I most of that race without even getting off the bike. I mean, we had some problems that held us up. When I had that, like, my mufflers were falling off, so we had to cut them all off and everything like that. Oh, so, so, that you, mm-hmm. so that wasted a bunch of time. But other than that, I mean, I was pulling over. I didn't get off the bike. Right. My brothers would come. I'd take the gas cap off. My brother would come over, fill the tank up, dump gas all over me. That's okay. It's going to dry off in the first five seconds. <laughs> like, I was, I didn't shut the bike off for 11 yeah. hours. And so our finishing times, what was your, I was like 11 and something, 11. It was, it was close. I thought we were, I thought you were 1040 or I thought you were 1020 and I was 1040 yeah, or something Yeah, maybe just like a that. tick under 11 or something. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, but it was fast. time for 600. Yeah, 663 miles, miles or whatever it was. With two border crossings? Two border crossings, yeah. It was a fun, it was a fun adventure. And that's why for people who do that, whether or not the, the Lake Erie Loop is being organized and run as an organized event, it is an interesting run because it is. You can do it in 11 hours, you can do it in you know 10 hours and 50 minutes, or you can do it in 25 hours like Stefan did it on a 50cc Yamaha. Uh, it's a really weird, adventurous kind of ride. There's a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because you're done in a day. And it's amazing how much your body hurts <laughs> after its 11 hours of just going. I used to like to do it because it was a, a chance for me to get on my bike and just ride all day long. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is you get off your bike and like, that was the thing. Like it was only 60 degree day. It wasn't right. that cold. Yeah. But after being in 60 degree at 70 mile an hour, you get off your bike and you just be shivering and oh, like crazy no cold. energy left. But yeah. then within an hour, I'm like, I want to go for a ride. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was the perfect, it was the perfect event for John and I because there was a lot of drinking beforehand and there was a lot of drinking after. So from a social drink, a social way, it was pretty fantastic. That was, we had the uh, moonshine slushies. Yeah, we did. Snow yeah. cones. Yeah, we did good on that trip. You're back in the same day? Yeah. Yeah. You start at six in the morning well, well, and you're back I mean, at, we left at six and I think we were yeah. back by 5.30. We were back by 5.30. Now, there what were people. 200cc max? Yeah, 200cc yeah. max. Now, there were people that came in 25 hours, 26 hours on 50cc bikes. Oh, yeah. You know, Stefan came back with the entire Walmart summer collection. (laughs) He, when he landed, when he got back into town, we held the awards ceremony waiting for Stefan to come in (laughs) on the Yamaha Vino. The the trophies were passed out. Right. We'd already given the trophies. Everybody was pretty much like, I guess we're not going to see Stefan. Right. He's dead. That was 25 hours, no stopping? It just took him that long? Or? He stopped at every Tim Hortons okay. because of cold. <laughs> Did he stop and, and take of, a nap, though? No, he didn't okay. stop and take a nap. He ran 25 hours straight. 
At one point, he saw a uh, an office desk chair in the trash, and he garbage picked it and taped it to his Yamaha <laughs> because the seat was terrible. And he came in with an office desk chair taped where the seat used to be on his Yamaha, and at least six or seven layers. Yeah, he got of up. He's like, okay. Off yeah. comes a jacket. Yeah. Off comes another hoodie. Yeah. Off comes the thing. One t-shirt, two t-shirts, three t-shirts. Yeah. Off comes the jeans. Off comes another pair. We of jeans. shot a video. Off of comes it. it took <laughs> a long time for him to strip. <laughs> yeah. But it was over twenty-five hours. He wins for the slowest ever Lake Erie loop, <laughs> and because he and he was on a bone stock Yamaha fifty Vino. So if it was sixty degrees during the day, though, too, like overnight when it got dark and shit, he had to be just well. That's the point. Brutal. Like they, when the morning when we left, it was forty-eight degrees. Yeah. When we rolled out, it was forty-eight degrees, and I hadn't planned for that, so I hadn't planned for it. And honestly, I was doing the whole thing as a giggle. I shut the shop down like I normally do, and I was doing the thing kind of like, ah, fuck it, I'll I'll show up and see what happens. And the buddy, and this is you want to know what I, what a good bike is. The buddy did not miss a beat for the entire trip. And I wrote with a Sharpie on the speedometer crystal my every fuel stop. So I had my average speeds and my fuel consumption for the entire tour. And I never once, having it pinned to the stop for the entire of almost 11 hours, I never got below 80 miles per gallon. And I, my average speed, according to the GPS when we came in, my average speed was 64 miles an hour. Hmm. Jesus Christ, try to do 64 miles an hour on average speed in a goddamn Lamborghini. It ain't easy. You know, the the world moves at a certain pace. The good news is when you're on a pink buddy, you can get in the left lane and pass those people, you know, when they're slowed down. It was it was a fun experience. I'm glad that we did it. You just came back from South Africa. Yeah. God damn it, man. <laughs> so, well, you broke your finger. Yeah, well, it's not broken, but it's something's wrong with it. Something is amiss. Yeah. Oh. I knuckle fucked myself. <laughs> <laughs> you look a little thinner. Did you lose a little weight on no, this? No, I went to the doctor to have my finger looked at. They weighed me. I weighed 204. It's the first time I've been over 200 in my life. You do not look like you're even 200. You look thinner. Uh, but okay. I was, I was how tall are, How tall of a human being are you? Six foot. You're six foot, yeah. right? Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 But. So you stoved the shit out of your finger. Yeah, day number three of the trip, uh, we parked the bikes and we were going to walk down to this gorge, this beautiful scenic overlook. And I was in South my, Africa. Yeah, riding my wearing my riding pants and my boots, and I tripped over a large rock and <laughs> went to put my hand down to like catch myself. To stop yourself. And my finger was shaped like the letter Z. And and the first thing I thought was, fuck, my ride's three days over, three days in, and I'm going to be riding in the van for the next three days. No, you're not. You only need two fingers for it. Well, that's what I said. So I gritted my teeth, and I grabbed it, and I just pulled it, and I reset it. Yeah. And I flexed it, and it worked. It's your ring finger on your left hand? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. good. A good excuse to take that wedding ring off. Well, yeah, it's a good thing. I, you're right. I don't, well, South African I don't use that finger for anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was able to um, tough out the ride. and uh, Yeah. It's, it, we did uh, 2,700 miles over 15 days of riding. How many bikes started the event? We had uh, 10 bikes on the road plus our tour leader, so we had 11 bikes 11 on bikes. the road. Right. Uh, seven of the bikes were two up. And uh, four of us were solo. Whoa! Yeah. Seven ended up being Man, two up. Two yeah. up. That's 
Yeah. Holy shit. Most 20... of the two-ups were um, 1,200 GSs. Well, of course. Most yeah. of the solo guys were on F700s or F800s. Yeah. F800. Ran yeah. like a top. I, I like that bike a lot. Yeah. Um, so you were on the F800, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I can't imagine doing, you said 2,800 miles? Yeah. Over how many days? I think we had 15 riding days. Okay. Uh, the, the tours was 17 That's days. And, um but there was a couple of real short days in yeah. there. There was a couple of off days, but there were optional rides on the off days, which I I can't said. imagine being a pillion. I can't imagine riding bitch for. I really expected some of the pillions days. to ride in the van some of the time because yeah. that was an option. Right. And um, nobody did. Nobody got in the van at all. There was a couple of sandy sections or gravel sections yeah. where some of the guys weren't comfortable, and their wives would go in the van so, the, so that they could so ride they could get solo, the gravel. just through the gravel, and then they yeah. get back on the bike. Mm-hmm. But. Um, Actually, we had a couple of the off-road, a couple of the optional days were off-road days, and uh, those were all, you know, guys just... Was it any sheetrock stuff, or like slippery no. sand on smooth gravel? Or smooth no, rock? it was just, no, if, it, if there was sand, you were actually on a sand or a dirt road. Okay. It wasn't like right. sand on top of a hard Slippery road. rock, yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, no, there was no, uh, I had no problems. Uh, some of the guys, I couldn't keep up with them in the curves on the paved stuff. Yeah. But they couldn't keep up with me when we got to when the When it curve. got nasty. So, yeah, we all had our, uh, our strong suits. Yeah, as know? a Cleveland, as an Ohio rider, that's one of those things you realize when you ride with people from California or Florida or whatever, you realize you're like, God damn, these motherfuckers go fast. Yeah. But then when it starts getting apocalyptic, yeah, then they're like, God damn, you guys ride fast. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's what I've noticed is people from our area, we don't ride anywhere near as fast on good road because we don't trust good road. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. We we always hold shit back. Yeah. Every time I've ridden with anybody in beautiful mountain roads, these fuckers are running away from me, and I'm scared for them because yeah. I'm like, there could be a truck, a goat, a cow, a zonkey, anything around the next turn. You can't see it. It's a blind corner, and they're Calif- knee down. California, yeah. it was that way. Yeah. We were doing Canyon, Kern River Canyon, and yeah. everything. Those, I was like, wow. Like the, the 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 one girl who hadn't really read, he's like, eh, you know, this was like our first tour. Yeah, she was still like flying. I'm like, holy fuck! I'm like, oh, well, I'm not really, I haven't done a lot of canyon carving. Right. Like this is yeah. amazing riding and everything. But the second I started trusting those roads, right, I almost got killed because yep. I was up in the mountains, and a little bit of water had trickled over the road at mm-hmm. night, and it froze, and the sun was coming up, and it was the one little place that was in a shade. Yeah, and I was on my buddy's FCO nine. I'm like, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden it went. Whoop, whoop, and I was like, whoa! <laughs> there was a couple it went times sideways, like and then like, and um, it came. Back. I put a dab to foot, and it came back, and it was like, yeah. oh my god! I almost went 200. West feet over Coast that. riders ride at ten tenths. I don't know what ten tenths look like. My ten tenths is seven tenths. <laughs> right, that's the way my system works. That's the exchange rate for Phil's riding school. You know, that's it. I will only ride at ten tenths on a racetrack. On a road, especially a road I've never been on, you're never going to get me anything. You're, I'm not going to be busting a sweat. Yeah. As soon and, as I, I started loosening up, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get some of this. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. when I oh, and then I'm like, nope, tighten yeah. it back up. Tight, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. oh, the best was going Engage down. Engage rectal seat device. Going yeah. down, you know, Canyon Road and everything like that. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm really doing something. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I look at my rearview mirror, and there's a clapped out 1980s Ford Explorer right on my fucking list. <laughs> I'm like, uh, pull over. Let him pass. The <laughs> yeah, I don't do it. I don't ride. I never ride at 10 tenths because I can't trust what's there. 
Down in Tennessee, we have the most beautiful, amazing Cambered roads. You do. The roads are clear as can be. Yeah, it's like are. Mario Andretti made them all, and you can yeah. go in any direction. They're amazing, and people are in full gear, knee yeah. down. And I'm like, you know, when, if something happens, there's not a hay bale no. hundred yards away that you can slide into. Or you slide I mean, into the opposing lane. Or you it's yeah. just an opposing lane or a guardrail or a tree, you, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I ride. What at, town are you in? I'm in Chattanooga. Right. So, any way you go is unbelievable. Is amazing. Is amazing. I mean, yeah. it really is. You head up to the TVA. It's it's everywhere, and it's just gorgeousness. It's everywhere. It's great yeah. riding, and you can ride year round, and you still get autumn leaves and all that. But yeah. I mean, I have friends that just ride really way. I mean, I can't keep up with them, and I've been riding my whole life, and I'm just not willing to commit to that. You no, know? it's not worth it to me. Yeah, I'll be the slow Freaks guy. Me out, man. That's cool. Right. If yeah. I'm going to crash, I'm going to crash off road where maybe yeah. the dirt's a little softer. Or maybe you're going a little slower to begin with. <laughs> right. but, uh, I look for a nice soft place to land. <laughs> yeah. Well, part yeah, of it too way. is you don't want to. You don't want. I mean, and it's fun to ride like that. Right. But I also want to be able to like maybe occasionally look over yeah. and. See Check out some cool see, shit. See what's going yeah. on around well, me. Well, that's you know? why I don't like. Something. I'm not in this dick yeah. measure. I don't want to be in this tunnel. How many like... miles we can do in a day? Ooh, you know, because no. I only get so much time off. I don't want to see if I, it's not how fast I can get across country. I mean, right. I, no. I got on my bike so I can relax. Right. And vacation point was when I'm in Africa. It's like I want to see Africa. I want to. If I wanted to just go on a hell of a ride, I wouldn't have went. Us to Africa to yeah, do it. Exactly. Yeah. Chattanooga's closer. You're not trying to commute. Right. <laughs> I want to see the world go by, just like you said. And I want to, you know, it's yeah. just, uh, yeah. I don't want to be like 200% concentration on just like yeah. keeping it between the lines, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing was driving on the other side of the road over oh, there. Oh, Lord, mm-hmm. yeah. That, 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 one time I rode by myself and... Pulled out of a parking lot. I'm driving down the road. I'm like, this asshole's on my side of the road. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm, shit. I'm You're like, on their no, side I'm, of the road. I'm the asshole, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. chicken. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that, that was a steep learning curve. Yeah, it is. I usually have to wait until I see another vehicle going, and I hope that he's going the same way I'm going. On any left-handed roads, I'm always like, it's better for me to follow somebody. Yeah. 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 And it I'm is. that way. Anytime I'm in a country that drives on the wrong side of the road, I always just pick somebody else. I'll wait until another vehicle comes along. And... That happened in Australia a couple of times. You know, I left the bar, like, super late. And I was on a borrowed sidecar rig. So, like, not only am I on the wrong side of the road, but the sidecar's on the wrong side of the bike. (laughs) That is just dopey. That's, like, dopey factor four. And, like, I'm used to to sidecars. I'm very convenient. I'm very handy with a sidecar. When they're on the wrong side of the bike and the road's crowned the wrong way... It's extremely yeah. weird. I mean, I drive right-handed cars daily on our roads, but Sydney, Australia kind of screwed me up a little bit. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. And then you get to a roundabout, and you're like, well, get hold on. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Push, if I go through this roundabout, in. somebody's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. What are you doing? I'm waiting for a car. Why? So I can get through that roundabout. <laughs> There's no way I'm making it through that roundabout on a sidecar rig. It's counterintuitive. But aren't there like four lanes, like five lanes, like large, these roundabouts? Like, hey, not... yeah, Sydney actually, Sydney's pretty yeah. pretty well developed in that. That's pretty cool. You get into some of the weirder spots, you get into some like outbacky kind of like, well, not outbacky. I was never anywhere near that. But you just get anywhere that it's quiet at two in the morning or three in the morning. Yeah. And then you're starting to, you're starting to second guess yourself. And I definitely do that. I, I, I get into a point where I get in my head and I'm just like, 
I just don't think I can physically make this bike go down the road on the wrong side of the road with the sidecar on the wrong side of the bike. And, you know, that's when I start going, well, is the kickstart lever on the wrong side too? Yeah. You know, and if you're in a sidecar rig, it is. And it's just a really strange thing to go through. Uh, See, I couldn't yeah. do a right-hand drive yeah. here. Yeah. Because that's just too far away from the middle of the road. Take my truck out. It's right-hand drive. See, I'm just all over the damn road because I'm looking for motorcycles and garages. <laughs> and I need to be, like, pretty well, damn now you're better off. Oh, you're, you're in the, the ditch every yeah. time. You're closer you're to the, the curb. You're on the curb lane. You'll be yeah. perfect. Yeah. You could deliver newspapers. Every oh. awesome. Like a Thanks. Newspaper delivery. I'll start doing newspaper delivery yes. in my Japanese domestic market Hell right-hand yes. drive cars. Thanks. That's cool. That's a marketing thing. Yeah, right. Hey, you yeah. got a little rural route up in the mountains. You need a Prado. Uh, every once in a while, I, I will ride with my wife somewhere, and she'll be driving, or she'll be in front of me. And she also drives a right-hand drive car, so she's got a, a Nissan Figaro that she drives. And so she'll drive the Figaro, and no problem. Like, she's not on the curb or anything. But then we went to pick my Buick up at the shop. We picked the Buick up, and she's driving the Buick. And she's hitting the fucking curbs all the time in the Buick. And I, I doot, 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 hit her on the telecommunications device. I'm like, baby, what's up? And she goes, I'm not used, I'm used to driving a right-hand yeah. drive car. Too far away from the curb. Yeah, and there's this whole <laughs> that, goddamn Buick over there. I think there's half the size, too. Oh, yeah, the Figaro. The, the Figaro's yeah. as big as this table. Tell right. her to take care of that, because I'm interested. When that, when that gets... Oh, the Figaro? No, the Buick. Oh, the Buick. <laughs> when it yeah, gets old for you, huh? Yeah. No, the Buick's, the Buick's available. <laughs> the Buick's available, an available, awesome Cleveland beater car with no miles on it. Hell, yeah. Yeah, the Buick's ready. But, they, uh, but it is funny, because like, I do... like. Everything I drive to work or from work that has four wheels is right-hand drive. And then when I get to work, I get into a left-hand drive pickup truck to deliver bikes and pick up bikes and move shit around. And then I get out of that and back into a right-hand drive. So my brain has become fluid. It doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah, but you can jump on a BSA or an yeah. old Triumph. Oh, I still... Or an old Harley yeah. even and go right-hand, yep. left-hand kick and shift, yep. right? Yeah, I've been very good at that my yeah. whole life. I've always had weird British... You just got to be able to switch back and forth. There is time uh, when you go to hit the brake and God. You're like downshifting. You're yes. Like, oh, God. oh, that happened. Oh, that was Mid Ohio. The one friend of ours bought yeah. a BSA, like the yeah. 250. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. I got to switch everything around. Okay. You're going to do this. You're going to yeah. do that. That's okay. You can tell yourself that all day long, but then start to do it. A... And I could do it as long as I was slow and meticulous yes. and thinking about it. And then, you know, but then you start trying to get carried away a little bit. I was coming like, back from some oh, bike whoa. night. I do the same thing on, you ride behind a mini trail or something yeah. down at Mid-Ohio. Upside down shift. Then you get yeah. on a regular bike and yeah. you go shift the wrong way and throw yourself over the handlebars. I was coming away from a bike event and I had a couple of wobbly pops in me and it was feeling pretty good. And we were going from one place when to another you? place. And... I was on the BSA Lightning, and I was just like, "This would be great," you know. You know the the, the the Gold Star at the time. So I was on that Gold Star, that six that, West Twenty Fifth Street. No, I was coming out from the Soccer Sportsplex in freaking North Olmsted. Doesn't matter for the listeners, but I had some freeway work to do. Ooh. So I was moving along at seventy-five miles an hour, and that bike just doesn't like that. And so, my, you know, I'm doing your thing, and it's fine. And I got off the freeway ramp, just you know, to go to the bar, the, the the authorized drinking location, and a guy pulled out in front of me. And everything on that motorcycle got pulled and pushed at the same time. <laughs> All of them. If it was hands, it got pulled. 
And if it was feet, it got pushed. Not a bad strategy. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And it made horrible noises. And everything skidded except the front brake. Because, you know, not drum brakes. It's not going to. <laughs> and I skidded and I made a big old skid and a big really old yaw. anti-lock brakes there, huh? They were truly anti-lock brakes and anti-lock tires and anti-lock suspension. And I skidded all the way around the car. The like, only thing that locked up was your bunghole. Well, it did. Like I said, that was the rectal seat. <laughs> the rectal seat device, yeah. It was fully engaged. And that car pulled right into my lane and stopped. And I managed to skid all the way around him and got it back. And in that panic moment, I had to think about, like, when I unclenched, what things I could unclench. Because, like, which operational systems had I done, what, the bike, what bike was I on, it's very confusing to go this from a British bike shifter. to a... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what the fuck's a shifter? Right. It's like, which one's the shifter and what gear am I in? Yeah. Because I just, I just jammed it down. I know I jammed it You down. should have hit the neutral finder down. and then put it in gear. No, it wasn't a Royal Enfield. It wasn't a Royal <laughs> That's Oil what's Field. driving me crazy yeah. about... like So I've got my six-year-old Parker. Yeah. And then we've got my nephew, Spen, uh, Spencer, who's 10. And then my nephew, Max, who's seven. And we're they're all riding. My, and this is all at your dad's house? No, this oh. is all in Chattanooga. Oh, in Chattanooga, But okay. we've got bikes from all, and we go to Barber and all Wasion yeah. and all the antique motorcycle stuff. Yeah. And Parker's been riding since he was three on, like, a JR50. Oh, cool, yeah. But you get him up to, like, a JT50, which was the Yamaha, like, four-speed with oh, a yeah. clutch. Yeah. They're GP shift. They're GP shift, yeah. So, like... Yeah. Neutrals in the basement. They're like you're like then all of a sudden you're having to like retrain them of yep. how to actually like shift yeah. a bike because right. they're just like clicking all down on yeah. all this and everything on the shifters is totally wrong from what we're normally trying to. I'm do. always surprised at the people who come into my booth on a CT70 that don't know that it's upside down, mm. and they're like this bike this bike's got no balls. I'm like, because you're trying to start it in the wrong gear, yeah. you know? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> I've never heard that. Right. I'm like, just just do it backwards, you know? And they had to change their mind on that halfway through the whole thing. Well, everything's standardized now. Right. Yeah, everything that's yeah. made now is yeah. standardized. Everything now is great. Yeah. And it is fun. And I've had a couple of motorcycles that we did convert to GP shift pattern because they were race bikes. Yeah. And I had a couple of bikes that I bought that were converted to GP shift pattern because they were race bikes well, when I bought them. All you got to do is put the rear sets on and then take the shifter and oh, flip yeah. it around this way. Now you've got GP shift. Woohoo! Dude, game on. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to buy any sort of linkages. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need no stinking linkages. No stinking <laughs> linkages. That's it. But it is a funny thing. What are you riding now? What's your... What's your What's oh, your stable look like? My RT360. You're making like, faces. My Yamaha RT360 okay. is uh, my daily. Yeah. Yeah, RT360s are cool. We have just cool. so much off-road, on-road yeah. that requires no sticker. <laughs> Tennessee, drive baby. from my shop, go up the mountain, and yeah. you're off into just paradise. miles and miles and miles of paradise off-road. Oh, yeah. wow. I mean, you can just ride anything you want, whenever you want to ride it. It's on the Cumberland Trail. Yep. And you got to just be like, Making sure you're not going to run into like people on the trail, but it's completely open. You don't need any. When you say people on the trail, you mean like hikers? Hikers, hikers, yeah, right. <laughs> like people that are nature morning. enthusiasts. Yeah, that's Sunday what I morning, figured. Eleven o'clock, you better watch out because there's people riding their motorcycles and also shooting guns. <laughs> like, oh, everywhere. this is paradise. You know, we we joked for years. I've always said, <laughs> I want to retire somewhere where I can. Walk out my front door and shoot in any direction with no risk of hitting anybody. I want to live less than a quarter mile from navigable water. And I need to be able to swim 
for nine months out of the year. And when you put all those stipulations together, Tennessee... It's Tennessee. It's Tennessee. I'm 15 minutes from downtown. Right. I can shoot guns out my backyard if I want. Yeah, it's Tennessee. We've got water everywhere. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't, I don't commute on my motorcycle, so yeah. I can ride south for as far as I want in any direction. The roads yeah. are great. I mean, cost of living is low. I don't know why I'm saying this on something where people will hear it because I don't want any more people moving here. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's true, and it's like... Because it is. It's... It's I mean, pretty goddamn cool. It's pretty yeah. good. It's pretty goddamn cool. And it is one of those things that it's a very beautiful, amazing part of the world. Yeah, I mean, it's what you're into. I mm-hmm. mean, for sure. The food isn't like, I, I mean, you know, I came up here just to eat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> to eat food, I come to Cleveland. Joe, we're it. fucking good at that, man. We're really good at eating. You know food. we're good Do at you eating. you have barbecue? We have, yeah, yeah but there's only so much pulled pork you can mm-hmm. eat. Oh, no, 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 I mean, there's no limit to that. No, 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 the record, there's no limit to the record. We I'm, live in I'm Cleveland, and we'll limit. still go get more pulled pork. Pulled pork, fried chicken, meat and three, man. Right, That's meat and threes. Got. I'm yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, but. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> but it is funny. That's like, that is the that is the weird thing about it. And, yeah, Cleveland's Cleveland. It, it is it is the game. The riding, though, it's like I can't believe there's that many bikes up here mm-hmm. for as short as the riding season is, right. and as poor like. It's know, like the Browns. Th- it's an awful team. Mm-hmm. It's an awful place to ride, <laughs> but we're still the most diehard fans anyway. Yeah, I've been to I've been to Browns backer bars in Frankfurt. I've been to Browns backer bars in Sydney. I've been to Browns backer bars all over the planet. Yeah. It sucks. But we don't care. We're still going right. to do it anyway. Yeah. The uh, the so now did. Are you still involved in the motorcycle co-op down there? Yeah, so we've got the Chattanooga Motorcycle Collective, and it's um, self-service motorcycle base for people to be able to come in and work on their own bike. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we're membership based. Good. We want to keep like a, yeah. a community feel to it. Um, my main goal in doing so is being able to uh, get tools in people's hands, be yeah. able to have them working on motorcycles and working on things. I mean, we have members that don't even care about motorcycles. They just want to learn how to use the welder. They want oh, to really? learn how to use the lathe. You know, oh, I, shit. I, I like welcome that. Come in and put yeah. things in your hands. Yeah. Just some good technical training. It goes yeah, back to that thing learn. how you say it's lost in schools now. So like maybe people yeah. of a certain generation didn't grow up learning those skills, but right. there's, people there's still skills not doing handy. it. I mean, it's really rare for people to know how to do things. People don't have, you look in the garages now, and they don't have rakes in their no. garages. They don't know how <laughs> to don't. use hammers. They, they're just the self-reliance. And, uh, and really, it gets down to deductive reasoning. Mm-hmm. Like, people don't know how to use deductive reasoning right. skills and work through a problem. Yeah. And I'm using the Chattanooga Motorcycle Collective as a way for people to be able to get in touch with the things that they I know. I handed somebody... A clicker torque wrench. Yeah. I handed somebody a clicker torque wrench. Just used mine today. Okay. I handed it to them and was describing to them how every bolt and nut on their motorcycle had a torque spec and that they're supposed to do it to the torque spec and you can look them all up and that that will save them a lot of trouble if they invest in Loctite and a $25 clicker torque wrench. And they looked at me like... It was the strangest concept they've ever heard. And I realized that this person, who I know had been riding motorcycles for 15 or 20 years, had never held in their hands a torque wrench. But, you know, and didn't know how to fault. use it. Like, they just don't. Right. And, I mean, a lot of it comes down to just, like, 
yeah. like manuals, like people don't know how to use manuals. Right. And, and I don't feel like anything I do, like I'm a pretty good diagnostician and I'm good at troubleshooting. I've but, worked with you, Joe, for years. You're fantastic. But don't I don't yeah. do anything special and I yeah. definitely don't think do things quick, but I do things surely. Right. So like I just go through the steps and procedures of it. And pretty much what I do is nothing more than what the manual would have told me to do anyways. Yeah. And, and people and just you've got a don't good know brain how to for... use manuals, you know. Well, back to the okay. torque wrench thing. Yeah. That's why you get so many bikes with bolts snapped off. Because right. mm -hmm. people just like, yeah, six millimeter bolt or four millimeter bolt. And they just like, I'm going to get it tight because it's leaking oil. I'm just going to tighten it Well, tighter. let's ride people the bike and get it really hot. It's torqued when the vein busts out of Yeah. <laughs> You know, they're waiting for the click. Man, it's until it's bust out. They're waiting for the click that you hear as the fastener fails. Well, yeah. I've said it before, yeah. and I'll say it again. I mean, I'm not self-taught. Most of what I learned, I learned from reading manuals and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, I taught myself to read manuals. I yeah. taught myself how to, you know, and then just from a lot of experience, you get good at troubleshooting and stuff like that. Yeah. Hell, anymore, you just go to YouTube. I mean, even if, it's you, fantastic. Even if you can't I mean, read a manual. That's, that's the funny them. thing is right. there's really no excuse for people right. not... Having that kind of acumen because right. it's YouTube is right there. YouTube you, is a brilliant you thing. You can watch a video. Whatever your whatever the mission is at hand, whatever that mission might be, YouTube it. Watch a video about doing it. Watch four videos about doing it, and after the third one, you'll kind of have a better idea about what you're doing. Changing the oil, the oil sender on my Kia. I right. watched no. I watched four or five different videos. Right. Of how to take the plenum and the You saw four and, different approaches. And I, you know, like, oh, okay, I probably don't need to do what that guy did. Those are I, video, I mean, those are video service manuals. Yeah. Yeah. They're ever, every bit as good as a Chilton's or a Haynes. I knew it's the size of every yeah. nut and bolt and every yeah. plug that had to be disconnected before I even Before you got into it. It was beautiful. So let somebody who was nice enough to have a video camera while they did a job... You know, uh, I'm not that guy. I don't shoot videos. That's the part that amazes me, the stuff... The minutia of mm -hmm. what people put, they, they're going to do a certain job, they're going to film it, and then they're going to post it. We have a friend named Robot, and he's at Scooter West, uh, it, uh, Motorsport Scooters in San Diego. His name's Jeff Corsaro. They call him Robot. Cheers and to Jeff. Cheers to Jeff, because you know what? Jeff saved, my, Jeff saved me hundreds of hours of fucking work, because Jeff shoots a video every time he does a terrible job. So... <laughs> If if it's rebuilding a water pump on a Vespa, which is can be a shitty job on a modern Vespa, he shoots the video of how to do it, tells you what tools you need to do it, and the shop that he works has been smart enough and kind enough to have a resource of all these videos so that when I'm doing a job, and it's San Diego, so they have sold way more fucking Vespas than I'll ever sell, and they've run into the problems that I haven't run into yet. So when it comes to doing a job, they've done it before I did. And they shot the video that the service manual totally didn't cover. Because if you're holding a service manual in your hand, you are holding nothing except for a, an, a terrible source of information by they're, the manufacturer. They're pretty bad, huh? They're pretty fucking terrible. They're, oh, they're, they make uh, a lot of assumptions. They're awesome. Well, yeah, like you work at the factory. They're awesome. Wait a second. Wait a second. I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> yeah. They're awesome, except they always manage to leave out one critical freaking line. And I think that there's whoever always, wrote that manual... There's always one there's thing. There's a dude that, at Chilton's who has an awesome sense of humor. Yes. There's a guy at Haynes... Who has a fantastic sense of humor. Or had one, two more at many right. beers when he was like, yeah. oh, well, yeah. it's time Inspect to... Inspect fuel tank with torch. 
<laughs> but you know, that's that's actually like yeah. I take it for granted as it being a learned skill. Like right. it is a technical manual, and you got to learn how to learn right. how to read a technical yeah. manual. Every Piaggio and even manual, just ordering parts, factory to manuals read, too. Yeah, assume that you have a certain level that's to begin right. with. Yeah. Yeah, factory some of the, manuals, some of the Chilton manuals and the yeah. Haynes manuals are much more like more data. user friendly. Yeah, and that's the thing is the photographs that are in the Chiltons and the Haynes manuals and all that good stuff, those are good. Climber manuals and stuff are all good, but a YouTube video is actually a little bit better, yeah. provided yeah, it's done it by somebody. Video, video and it's yeah. also very like layman. You can pause it. I think yeah. for almost every yeah. bike I've ever owned, I've always had a manual. For of it. course, or I've had From another bike one? exactly like it. Yeah. The Noah's Garage concept. Yeah, yeah. You want to see how it's put together? Take that one apart so you can fix that one. Yeah. You know? Now I know how they built it because I had two of them. This one was broken. This one wasn't. So I took apart the good one and learned the way the broken one was supposed to be. Number of certifications I have, zero. Oh, really? But number of bikes I've worked on is probably a thousand. Yeah. Yeah, most true. I'm pretty sure they've been done. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's no doubt. You're, You're a qualified mechanic. You're... Anybody anywhere would be thrilled to give you any documentation. If I could pay me to work on my bikes, I would. That's your ass. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, I got all these cool tools. There's nothing, though, more satisfying. And the one thing that I really see that is the most um, satisfying to see with people like Maggie Payton, she's 26 years old. She didn't know a screwdriver from a wrench a year and a half ago. Really? And she just pulled the engine out of her CB350, mm-hmm. did the entire top end rebuild, measured her mm-hmm. rings, mic'd her bore, made sure it was all right, put it all back together, redid her valves, yeah. reset it all, put it all back together, started on the second kit. Neat. A year and a half later. Right. You know, she can pull that engine out in 20 yeah. minutes now. And back. Mm-hmm. She can diagnose a regulator rectifier now. Right. You know? And there's nothing more satisfying than being able to kick that bike over and it starts. Because you don't need anyone to tell you you did a good job. You no. don't need any pats on your back. Nope. It did it. You did the work and it started up and ran. It's self-gratifying. You know, it's just a totally different level of, of uh, self-achievement. Um, yeah. It takes a level of confidence. There's a certain thing about you can sit there and look at your bike and you can suck your thumb and you can be like... I don't know. There's something wrong with that or whatever. But the people who really get shit done, and I learned this from a one guy I used to work with, just tear the fucker apart and put it back together. I mean, like, you could sit there all day long trying to figure out all the problems and everything and what's wrong. Yeah, thinking about it. You know what? But but all the time you spent thinking, you could have already had the exhaust off. You could have already had the carb off. You could have already had all the bolts out of the motor. And it could have been on there, and you could have the head off and take, you know what I mean? If like, you have the intuition to know that something's wrong with right. it, as soon as you tear into it, you start, like you said, looking at things, diagnosing things, I got bad scrutinizing news each part. You're going right. to come up with that one thing, you're right. going to be like, holy shit, this one's causing the whole problem right here. I will tell you a fucking goddamn fact. <laughs> you are going to break some tabs. You're going to break some tabs. You're going to take apart a piece of plastic that was held together by a piece of plastic that was put together by somebody in Japan 40 years ago, and you're going to break some fucking tabs. Held in place by rubber grommets that have turned to to turn to wood a long time ago. ago. You're going to break some shit. You're going to have some stuff that's going to crack as you're trying to take it apart because you realize you didn't know how to take it apart right the first time. Mm -hmm. But the next time, you're going to know how to take it apart. And only the first one will be held together with electrical tape when you're done with it. You'll sell that one. The next one you do won't be held together with electrical tape anymore because you'll figure out the shit that broke on the first one that you did. 
And then you'll have some cool shit to tell the next guy and be like, oh, slow down, cowboy. Don't just grab those and pull them apart. Hold the bottom one and squeeze a little bit. And it'll Are we come apart. PC eight hundred again? Yeah, or PC eight hundred <laughs> or anything remotely plastic from the eighties. Uh, the sheer number of hours that you put yeah. into it. I mean, I I did electrical diagnostics and I'm pretty fast at it now. But my yeah. God, I was in my garage diagnosing something that takes me ten minutes now. I was in my garage for four days, crying, <laughs> tears coming out of my face, wondering what the, when the fuck is this going to end? It's a stator, but what does it state? And just so it is true. Overwhelmed. Some of, and some of those little gems of knowledge it. come at a high cost. It's of course great. they do. Yeah, you know, you those aha moments and stuff it like come that, easy. or the false ahas, like aha. I know. I had seven it. voltage then, regulators you know, in the bottom of my toolbox yeah. that are all there because I didn't have fully charged batteries. I yeah. thought, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, these voltage regulators tested bad. Well, I think that's one of my techs. Yeah. And my then t- it turned out that's one of my techs tech tips. Anytime you're working on electronics, hook up a a known power source. Yes. What we're saying is, yeah. if anyone can do this stuff, you right. got to put in the time to want to know how to do to it. To want to know how to do it, it's my, so much fun yeah. when you do it right. My dad used to always say, "Don't stand there with your thumb up your ass. Right. Do something, even if it's wrong." Yeah, just do something. Yeah, well, a mistake is a great <laughs> way to learn. learn that too. You yeah. learn from that too. But yeah, mistakes are awesome because when you just learn do from something, them, you go in that shit forever. And man, get mentorships. I mean, that's the one thing that, like, that's if there's one thing that I do is that I have a plethora of mentors, including yeah. yourself, Phil. Yeah. You've been an amazing business mentor for me, and just knowing what to do and and just one step ahead of the game. That Joe also, translated, I can translate that for you. Look where Phil fucked up. Yeah, look where Phil fucked up. <laughs> make sure that I don't fuck up the same way Phil fucked up. Yeah. And learn. then, like, have apprenticeships. Like, I've right. got four or five apprentices underneath me, yeah. and I've got four or five mentors, mentors above, above me. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's the only way that I feel like I'm getting better, and I feel like I've got a place in this world is that I'm passing on knowledge and trying to acquire How many people have you showed Shopcraft to? Oh, my gosh. In one week. Yeah. So, um... It was so bizarro. Like this, this book came out, and people were like, "You got to read this." And I heard it on yeah. NPR, shop class as soul craft, yeah, um, by Matthew Crawford. Yep. And uh, and like, I asked my buddy Joe Gimple. I was like, you know, this book kind of goes from what we're talking about is right. where you know you can't hit a nail from China. Right. Um, people need to learn how to do things for themselves. You can't outsource. You can't outsource everything. Fixing things. We have. Yeah. Uh, made trade seem as though they're not um, worthy. We've devalued. We devalued them. Dirty hands. And he yeah. like picked up though. He's like, I'm reading it right now. And then like two days later, another yeah. kid was like, This is what I happen to be reading. Right. And yeah, yeah it's just coming up a lot, which is great because yeah. people are starting to realize that um, they're not getting a lot of satisfaction at their occupations and money isn't everything. One of my friends is in the book and. He told me about it. So after he got interviewed for the book and after he kind of was a part of the book, and he's a BMW mechanic in Chicago, and now he works on amazing exotic classic antique cars. Like So he's kind of changed his path a little bit. But he's always been this like super positive force for good and mechanical uh, excellence. And I joke that I'm on a one-man campaign to eliminate half-acidness. And he's that guy. Like, he's one of those guys that when I ran into him and I asked him a bunch of questions about my BMW transmission on that old R50 I had. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, look. He goes, no, he goes, that's not how you do this. 
I've done a hundred of them. Let me show you the way it's done. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. That guy put some religion on me. And that's when he told me, he's like, yeah, he goes, this guy, I was talking to this guy and he wrote up like a chapter about me in his book. And I was like, really, aren't you special? <laughs> and then I read the book and I was like, oh shit, this is actually my Bible. So that book is one of those things I pass it on to people all the time, especially if they got a kid who's like not fitting in real well, or they got a kid who's like not learning like other kids do. And maybe he's a little different and maybe he's cutting classes or something. And then you realize that there's something really neat to being able to be handy. And I've always, you know, we joke around. There's the red-green type of handy. I was say, yeah. I just to... The women don't find you handsome. They should at least find you handy. <laughs> and then there's, I watch a lot of these videos on YouTube that are by AVE, Arduino versus Evil. And he's an awesome engineer, uh, mechanic guy, who has a really interesting take on things and a, an amazing vocabulary of profanity that he trots out. But he's a hands-on when in doubt, approach the bridge port. You know, uh, when in doubt, make chips, and like that's his thing. Is if the tool doesn't exist, I have a bridge port, I have a lathe, we'll make the tool. Yeah, and I made a tool last weekend. <laughs> this is a lathe and a welder, man. That's well, he made no, a tool. A he think... made a tool so he could work on his brand new car. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I that's get, fucking well, the, great. The little oil, the oil sender is in between the bank of the V6, underneath the intake, right? With a coolant tube that runs by it that you can't get in a brand in. new modern Korean yeah. car. Yeah, yeah. So I took an old one and I had to grind it and grind it till I made a little thing so I could yeah, make a tool. It's really just having the confidence to believe in yourself that it's if it's made by man, you can fix it. Like, that's right. You can get into it. Right. You can get a manual. You can find information. It's out there. Like be resourceful, right. and you can do it. Like you can make it happen. I'm stubborn. I, right. I'm like the only person that's going to fix this is me. I'm cheap. I'm not taking yeah. this anywhere. I don't know how I'm people not pay for all this stuff no because I could not afford. I'm to not have paying a thousand dollars to have this fixed. It's getting fixed. It's getting fixed by me. If it gets fixed wrong, it's going to get refixed by me. My no, gas dryer is 27 years old. <laughs> Do you know why my gas dryer is 27 years old? Because you bought it 27 years. Because I bought that fucker 27 years you're ago. You're the fucking Maytag man, <laughs> yeah. the Kenmore man, hey, all wrapped in one. I just put a new motor in my 25 year old Speed Queen washer just right. this week. I Do came home from Africa, right. I unloaded my bags, I put it in the washer and the thing took a shit. Yeah. The next you day. know what, your dryer doesn't have like an entire switchboard Exactly. Like crazy digital thing right. on top of yeah. it. Like it's a fucking... It don't matter. Like it's a motor right. that spins around with You can fix that too. Right. Yeah. You wow. can fix all and that I will tend to, I will And tend you can to, diagnose it. And I will tend to always have a more analog type Washing machine because mean, I know yeah. what a wigwag is. We can continue I'm not this afraid. discussion. I'm not afraid of digital shit. Off the I'm air, not even but, afraid of that. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes I can order a service no on Amazon. After, I can, this, I can, year. I can, after this year, you can fix <laughs> all that shit. I got the world's you greatest appliance right here. You just have Uh-oh. to do it. But I mean, that's the, I will I will fix something until it's art. Meaning it's been totally destroyed and needs to be welded to something else. Hey, Art, right. come get this. Right. Hey, Art, come get this. Right. I will help you to within an inch of your life. Right? Like, I've always believed in that. Like, well, is it broken? Yeah, it's broken. It's not working right. Well, let me get in there and fix it until it's properly fucking broken. And then I'll buy another one. But I will try to fix it nine or ten times. Until you realize that, like, the core piece of yeah. Chinese 
there's nothing left. Pot to metal that's left of it, right? <laughs> and I mean, I have welded myself into a corner more times than I can count. I have turned items that were made of one type of metal into an entire different type of metal through TIG welding. <laughs> you know, I have totally reconstructed something and then machined it down so it could do a dumb job and save forty-two dollars. Yeah, it's what's really just kills me is to take people's money for things that I could teach them in five, ten minutes and they could do on their own. I'm like, my God, just let me help you. And when they're receptive to that, like right. yeah. I, I'm willing to do it. And people right. are like, why are you teaching? I'm like, you're 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 like well, you actually you're want the world. To, on yeah. You're only you're only taking one step further. Right. There's still another step and a right. step and a step. Well, they're like you're, they still you're need... killing yourself. You're not right. going to make any money if you're teaching everyone to fix it. But right. I'm like, yeah, but don't worry, they'll they'll, they'll fix that thing. Right. But when they know they have something they can't fix, they're going to bring it to me because that's I right. can. You know, they'll and develop a horrible addiction to motorcycles, and they'll they'll be a problem. <laughs> yeah. that's beyond Teach their... them just enough just to be dangerous. That's right. Fuck it all up. The first hitchhike free. That's right. Yeah. What you need... That's why I got a trailer out there. That's right. Man. You know what you need? What you need is a Harbor Freight electric impact driver. Nice, yeah. nice half-inch drive. Which is what my dad had today. Right. And what Emmy has named oh. the motherfucker. Right? It has one torque setting. Explosive. Yeah. Right? And I don't care if you have air tools or hydraulic tools. You ain't meta tool like a $39 Harbor Freight electric <laughs> half-inch drive impact driver because mm. that son of a bitch will shear anything it will take anything off of anything and it only knows one speed and one velocity and one level and that is destruction fuck you it's, on, <laughs> it's you called the motherfucker we have motherfucker written right across the top of it if you ever get a dead trigger on that thing it'll break <laughs> your wrist there is no getting around it there is no safety switch nope no but it well, will, I think that's the one I use, like, if you got to take the ball off a hitch. Yeah, if you need to take a ball, <laughs> anything involving a trailer, that's the right tool for the job. Anything that's over 40 years old, that's the right tool for the job. I would like to, though, get, like, one of those three-quarter drive air double mm. fucking motherfuckers. Oh, I'd love to have one of those. I'd do enough damage with a half-inch drive. Yeah. Yeah, the rule is when you get somebody who's meat-handed, just give them a quarter-inch drive. Give them a shitty quarter-inch drive. Because usually that fucker fails before the fastener fails, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, it is fun. The more you kind of realize, sometimes you got to break a bolt off, and then you broke it off. Now you got it apart, and now you can drill it out, and now you can tap, and you're good. Oh, I'm. Sometimes you break it off, and then you can just screw it all the way through, and it comes out the other side. Fuck oh, it. you know you're an advanced level technician when you own a whole index of left-handed drill bits. Man, you're... my dad like. <laughs> Holy shit, this CT1. I mean, I'm, I'm just like over there to like change crank seals. You know, you take two covers off, mm-hmm. there's some shit underneath them. Right. Like oil seals. Does so, it have an yeah. oil pump? You get the oil pump. Yeah. <laughs> no, it didn't even have that. So you just had to pull it off. It's just yeah. well, oil seals. They have a little, the, the two smoker. It's not oil injected. No, it's not oil injected. But yeah. my God, he has like an impact driver. So I'm having to like impact drive these screws with a hammer? stator plate. Yeah, like. To get these screws out, and then the tips break off good, good. the impact driver because they're because it's Harbor Freight. Oh, yeah. I, I did buy a Craftsman. It's hazard fraud. So I'm like, okay, yeah. we got to drill this out. It's yeah. no big deal. I'll drill the right. head off of it. Of course you will. So I get the head off, yeah. head off, and this stuff is like I charge twenty dollars to extract a broken off bolt because I can do it in like three and a half minutes. I've got, <laughs> I've got $100 drill bits that just drill. That just drill right in that son of a bitch. You tap it, I mean, just do it. Right. But 
It yeah. was like I'm using this like <laughs> like big lots trumpet <laughs> yeah. and, and, and like one of those drills with like oh, a crank. Oh come on, on. Joe. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like a batter. batter. Like I'm like it's like the egg same beater. thing they use. You can for make potatoes, potatoes. Like, or you can drill a bowl. You've got an egg beater drill. <laughs> oh my I'm like, god! Okay, I'm being challenged here right. on purpose. Yeah, that's really it. It's He's like, fucking Google. with you. Yeah, He's fucking with you. Yeah. He wanted to see how good you were. Yeah, I'm gonna bring out Grandpa's old wooden toolbox. Creaky, 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 creaky. Which like Shindy Moto. If you can ever see any of that stuff, if you if you can ever see Shindy, yeah, Shindy. Moto yeah. on YouTube, like, yeah. yep. oh god damn. I. It is that game. They always say it's a poor mechanic who blames his tools, right? And it's an amazing mechanic that will be proud to show you the bullshit tools he makes work correctly. Or like he's like, this is a tool I made from seven other shitty tools, and it does the job perfectly. Yeah. Well, the cost of the tools, mm-hmm. uh, Rat Boy in Columbus, so Dave Howe, oh my Rat God, Boy Dave. is yeah. like one of the most yeah. uh, talented mechanics. He's gifted. On European cars. He's gifted. He's unbelievable. He speaks Citroën. Yeah, and he said the cost of the tool is always half as much as the cost of the repair for using the shitty one. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Whatever the tool is to do the job correctly. I remember my, the, the fucking fit that my dad threw in 1977, the first time he had to buy a 10-millimeter crow foot hmm. wrench to work on something on a Dodge Omni. And like he threw a fit because he had to buy a 10-millimeter crow foot wrench. Mm-hmm. And he was pissed that he needed it. I looked at the job and I was like, well, I was nine years old. I knew there was nothing else you could use to go in that spot. That's cheap, man. Spin it, it, Dad. Let's get the job done. Dude, if you're not going to call the snap-on truck, I will. We need that fucking tool. And it was metric, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the game. So what are you going to do, man? Just bring the recorder. We're going to go to Smedley's. Oh, we're going to go to Smedley's. We could, this, this thing <laughs> could just no, we're be, done. Yeah, we're done anyway. This could just get picked up. Yeah, this podcast right is over. <laughs> We've gone over. It's We've gone charged. over our limit. Yeah. It's like this fucking, it's the longest podcast I've ever had. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm no. sure. Are you know. getting thirsty? We've gone longer talking about You've dumb done? shit. I mean, are the Christmas sales gone? No. No. No, no there's more yeah, Christmas sales. Christmas Be careful sales. with yeah. the Christmas sales. I, I am well aware. She's You've been she, warned. Christmas, oh, Christmas jail. You've been warned. Christmas fail. Christmas no, I know. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, we have a certain reputation. We figured after we gave these people seven or eight fucked up podcasts in a row, we'd give them one good one. <laughs> do you want some moonshine? Just to rule them, reel them back in. No. Oh, my God. So yeah. my dad doesn't know about podcasts. At all. Like, at all. So they were we're podcasts. Gonna, so, like, my buddy in Chattanooga just happened to be like, um, why the fuck did I hear your name on, like, this random podcast? Because a couple weeks ago, you were yeah. talking about my, me and my dad. Right. And uh, so I have it saved. Okay. So we're going to be working in the shop tomorrow, just working out Oh, really? Box, oh, my God. And we're just going to, like, play it. And he's just going to think it's the fucking radio. He's going to think it's a radio show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's going to have no Until idea. Frickin' frack right. on the radio. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden, they're going to be, like, talking about my own dad. Yeah, frickin' like, frack the fuck it, brothers. Yeah. 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 It, is, uh, it is one of those interesting things. It like, sounds like you love my buddy mine. Bruce. My buddy Bruce has all kinds. Of, he's in the twin jets and the stuff like that. Oh, right on. And he's got a Royal Enfield chopper. Oh, cool! Yeah, he's like yeah. it's actually Norton based. Oh, sorry, it's a Norton. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. a uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know exactly what it is, right. but he has an Osa Stiletto down at his. Yeah, actually, that he knowing, bought new back yeah. in 1971 wow. or something. Bruce like and that. your dad would actually get along famously. Huh? They got yeah. me. That would be a love connection right there. That'd be an old man. love Very connection. romantic. Very bromantic. A mandate. 
<laughs> That's it. So has anybody else got anything else? Hey, so uh, just so you know, at the end of January, uh, I can announce this now. It's official. The International Motorcycle Show in Cleveland, Ohio, last weekend in January as usual. Uh, Cleveland Moto will be representing again. They have not yet figured us out. Uh, we'll be there in podcast form. We'll be there as press. So we'll be interviewing people and doing all the things we normally do. But more importantly, we'll be there as a club, motherfuckers, with a giant spread of all of our bikes. And if, you, you know, if you're in town and you want your bike to be in the show, contact us at the shop because they need... I shit you not, 19 bikes from us. What the fuck? The Penton Club is not showing up this year. Uh, 19 Ooh. bikes, so you should be able to pull off. I could pull that up out of my garage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, you got that. It's the roll up single so, car. <laughs> so, somebody who's very interested yeah. in it was uh, Eastside Bob. Oh, good, yeah. So yeah. he could be another club. That's right. Total we, separate club and yeah. maybe help things out. Uh, when I talked to the, the lady who organizes it this year, she was like, oh my god, I'm so glad you called me. Because Penton just pulled out. So, so that's they'd be big very deal. happy. That's good news for Eastside. So if you're in the Cleveland area and you want to participate in the show, give us a call. Give us a holler. Let us know if you got a bike you want to put in. Give us a call. Um, you can contact us through all the normal channels. Go to Cleveland Moto on your internet you device. You can call me, Ray. You can call me. Just don't call me late for dinner. The uh, That's it, man. Anybody else got anything else? That's it, man. Ride fast and take chances. Play us out of here, John. Rachel got scared. She's like, where did that shit come from? Press the red button. Press the red button. Dustin's not.